reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, 28th chapter. While they were going, some of the guard went to the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened. After the priests had assembled with the elders, they devised a plan to give a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You must say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed, and this story is still told among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. If Matthew's gospel ended where I took that long pause... We might not be here today. Can you imagine the pressure of Jesus days, maybe weeks, no more, before he left to be with the Father saying, You, my eleven followers, a smattering of others who have not run away from me yet, you, a group of people who have shown frailties over and over again, You are to go and make disciples of all nations. Not just your neighbors, not just people you like, not just in safe places, all nations. You go. Go tell them about me, show them my love, Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You teach them to obey everything that I have taught you, which of course requires you to obey everything that I have taught you. That's your assignment. I'm out of here. If that's how the gospel ended, would we even be here today? Would the disciples have done anything besides shake their heads, mutter something about the impossibility of the mission, and about their own inadequacies, and gone back to fishing and tax collecting and washing clothes in a stream? Jesus' final words are what make it all possible. The only way they could begin to spread the gospel beyond their little group to unfamiliar and unsafe and unresponsive places, to share Jesus' teachings and life, to share their own love and mercy, is because His final words were, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. However long this period of challenge and persecution and growth and celebration, however long I am with you. And then, of course, he leaves. 
Matthew doesn't tell us this part of the story. But Mark, Luke Acts, Paul all speak of Jesus returning to the Father. I'm with you always, and now I'm gone. What do we make of that? And John, of course, Jesus promises that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will come to be with them. In fact, he says that it is to their benefit that he goes so that the Holy Spirit can come to be with them. But Matthew doesn't get there. Matthew just leaves us with Jesus' promise to be with us always, and then he's gone. I am with you always. I am. I am. Remember, that's the name that God gave to himself. Which may mean that Jesus' conclusion in Matthew is not all that different from Jesus' conclusion in John. Maybe Jesus' body ascending to be with the Father does not in any way imply that Jesus has left us. Maybe he's showing us that he is God. I am with you always. Maybe he's reminding us that God has always promised to be with us. God promised Jacob, know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. God promised Moses, I will be with you. God promised Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God even promised the people Israel. You, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Jacob did not have to go on sleeping on a rock and dreaming of a ladder for God's promise to be true. Moses did not have to return to a burning bush to find that God was still with him. Joshua didn't cross back to the other side of the Jordan for assurances that God was there. And Israel did not look for more ways to be in exile to hear more about God's restoration. Time moved on. Circumstances changed. The leaders and the people pressed forward to see what God had in store for them next. And the entire time, God was with them. I am with them always. Jesus promised that unimpressive group of disciples that he would remain with them. And as a result of him doing just that, we're here today. Emmanuel, God is with us. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am with them, Jesus said. God is here. Jesus is among us. And this same Jesus is calling us to be with others that he may be there too. St. Paul calls us the body of Christ. Not only because we're wounded, scarred, but also because we're the hands and feet for Jesus in this world that does not yet know that he is among us. 
And what's interesting about this God who is present but not visible, except in the body of Christ, is that people cannot love God whom they have not seen and hate their brothers and sisters who they have seen. 1 John reminds us that those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. They will know us by our love, Jesus said. I am with you always is assurance to those who could not begin to imagine going and making disciples, baptizing, teaching, obeying without Jesus being right by our side. And it's a calling for us to be the visible body of Christ for those who can't imagine what they cannot see. I am. The body of Christ is with this world always, whether he's recognized or not. The church exists to help him be recognized, to love God and love neighbors, that our neighbors might know Jesus' loving presence even better. I am very glad this day to share with you some very good news about a gift that will help us love God and neighbor even more freely. You'll soon see that our church debt has been reduced significantly by contribution that will eventually come to $950,000. If you've been paying attention to the debt, you'll know that brings us close to $200,000 remaining. And if you're like me, you're already beginning to calculate how quickly we'll be debt-free. When I first learned of this gift, I started thinking of what we could do with those extra dollars, those $25,000 each month that we send to reduce the debt. I have some ideas. Many other people do as well. Maybe you do in this very moment. When the Finance Committee learned this news Tuesday evening, we broke into a 30-minute brainstorming session about what's next. Our imaginations came alive with possibilities all based in probabilities. We know that downtown is vibrant and getting more popular, and soon it will be more populated both day and night. We have an incredible opportunity to welcome new and long-time residents into our ministries to show them that Christ is with them, with us, always. The church council has agreed to pursue full-day preschool and after-school options, a sign that we are interested in young families being here. And when they come, and when people of any age and life circumstance come, We need to have the people and the facilities ready to minister to them and minister with them. We now have three Sunday morning worship services that are going well and attendance is up. The endowment committee has just granted four, four Schofield scholarships to central members who are pursuing ordained ministry. Wednesday nights around here this year were full to overflowing And so we wonder, could it be that we actually need more space, more land, more parking to be able to enable more ministries? 
As we heard from Renee, our outreach and mission ministries have never been more active. We are in Costa Rica, in Kentucky, we'll soon return to Fairfield and the upstate. We're right here in Florence repairing homes in December and May and on a smaller scale nearly every month. We're in the parking lot feeding persons and handing out necessities. We are making sure that children in our community have beds to sleep in and places to sleep and food to eat on the weekends. We are being the body of Christ on His behalf so that His presence may be known. And the reason I'm telling you all this, reminding you of all of this, is because the wrong response to this significant contribution toward the debt would be to ask how quickly can we stop giving to the building fund and keep that money for ourselves. We have ongoing repair and maintenance concerns. You can imagine on a building this size, just this week, the same week that gift is announced, we put our first installment on a $70,000 roof repair job for the administration building. There will always be those kind of issues. More importantly, there will always be people who need a place to come where they can be reminded that Jesus is here with them always, and where they can learn to be Jesus' hands and feet for others, with others always. We've been that place for many for a long time. We are called to be that place for many for as long as we are here. This gift propels us to do even more, even sooner for the cause of Christ, but it only will work if we continue to give our time, our talent, and our treasure to the cause. Jesus won't leave us. He's promised to be with us always. But it's just His way. He's also always calling us to be here for others. Will we answer the call?